July 10, 2023. It's a walk for Pedro show.
for Pedro Show. Happy Monday. Start off with John Coltrane. Well, actually, John Coltrane ain't playing because there's a bass solo by his bass man, Jimmy Garrison. 1962, November 22nd. Training in is the tune. And uh, Jimmy, of course, part of the classic quartet. And then Your Food with Leave. And because of those Skype engineers in Estonia, I got with me after a long time of not spieling with each other. Brother Wolf Knapp. Welcome aboard, Brother Wolf. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Absolute. I mean, we go way back. Uh, yeah, you're saying off air, you saw some Minutemen shows and stuff like that. Those are the times, that's when I met you. That's right. Uh, I used to work the door at Maxwell's, and I came up early to catch Soundcheck, and uh, after Soundcheck, D came up to me at the back bar and said, uh, you know anywhere where a band could stay tonight? And uh, I said, there's a Motel 6 down by the Holland Tunnel, and he said, no, cheaper than that. Uh, so I said, well, I got my apartment, and uh, that's what happened. You guys started crashing in my apartment. I think at that time, and it wasn't even Todd Abram thing. I think maybe Ira Kaplan yeah. was booking in those days. Yes, I think that's right. Yeah. So go, people, that's Yole Yo, Yo Tango Boss. That's right. And he was Ira Ran Sound. That right, well. right. I think he might have started as Sound Man, but you might have taken his place as he moved to Booker. Uh, no, I just worked, I worked the door for a few years and, uh, then, then, uh, I actually moved to the city. Okay. And, uh, that was no, that. let's don't get to that yet. Cause I want to yeah. start as far back as you can remember your, bring your earliest musical memory, please. Okay. My earliest musical memory of me engaging with music was playing the instrument called the recorder. Uh, we had several recorders around the house cause my mother used to play it. And I had a, and actually figured out how to read a little bit of music. And there was one piece called La Pavon, which is a French country dance that I figured out. It was about eight bars long. Um, and I would just play that over and over and over again. Now, people, uh, this recorder isn't a device to capture sounds. This is actually a diatonic kind of flute thing. Yeah, you blow through it. it looks, you blow through it straight. It's a straight instrument, like a you know, clarinet or something. But yeah, it operates like a flute, but it's a lot easier to play than a flute. It's very because you don't blow across a hole, it has kind of a mouthpiece. Yeah. Kind of, you know, it's meant for kids getting started music, I think. Yeah, yeah, you blow into the mouthpiece, but then, yeah, you're right, it does, like, the air glides over, you know, an angle. So it helps thing. out, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you learn to do that with your lip, with the flute. Yeah. To be a flautist, yeah. right? You're not a uh, flutist, you're a flautist. Now, correct. the... Uh, you answered my question about instruments in the pad where you grew up. Was there anything else besides recorder? Um, at some point along the line, we picked up my great-grandmother's lap steel guitar uh, on which she played Swedish hymns uh, where she lived in Wisconsin um, and in Ohio also, I think. Okay. And I still have that. Ultimately, I when I left home, I kind of grabbed that. And I had it set up to make it playable. Um, it's 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 kind of rough, but I got it. It's a resonator guitar. Well, one good thing about uh, lap steel, the action can be high, and it's okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, right over the fret, not behind the fret. Mm -hmm. uh, Nels Klein's pretty good at it. 
It's way different than the pedal steel. Some people confuse. Yeah. There's completely different. Okay. Yeah. Actually, there was a, the first electric stuff, you know, in the 30s. They called them Hawaiian guitars. Oahu was an amp manufacturer and stuff like that because of that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. In school, were you in the marching band or the choir shit like that? Uh, well, I had one attempt in fourth grade. Uh, some, you know, well, I'll just get this out here. Like I got a terrible, I'm, I have a terrible ear for pitch. I can't sing, but I just kept trying to do something um, and figured I'd be a good violinist. So I tried to play violin in the orchestra and I was last chair, second section. Uh, and the, um, uh, the director told me to just sort of pretend to play during the, um, the, the, the concert. So that tells you something. Yeah. Whoa. That guy should find another job. Um, <laughs> what about first record you bought with your own money? That would be uh, Bad, Bad Leroy Brown by Jim Croce, 1973. D. Boone was into Jim Croce. He liked that time in the bottle, too. Uh, oh, yeah. What was the first gig you saw? Live music. Okay, well, my family took, the family went to see Seals and Crofts at an outdoor concert in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, this would be 75. But, you know, that's that. The first, I think no, the first. No, no, 74. I saw Seals and Crofts at the California Jam. Oh, yeah. They were okay. the only bands that got a fucking encore. It was terrible, but people were digging it. <laughs> That singing the encore was something where they would just be hollering suey, you know what you call pigs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. My yeah. other memory from that was that my dad walking around, at, you know, really excited because he could smell people uh, smoking marijuana and going like, "Ooh, what's that? What's that?" Um, yeah, at the California Jam, you could smell a lot of piss too because there wasn't enough <laughs> heads. People were just pissing in the the ground. Yeah, it got a little soggy. Yeah, nice. Uh, okay, uh, the, let me ask you this. Go ahead. You gave me a paper kind of prepping me on your history. Yes. There is a point where you get a guitar with the amp built in the case. Uh, Dan Electro made these for uh, Sears called Silvertone. And, right. Yeah, okay. Hip, uh, let the listeners know about this development musically. Okay. Uh, so what happened there was uh, my best friend was a guy named John Bailey. And, you know, we were just basically bored together and decided we should get guitars. So we went down to Guitar Emporium, which was an amazing establishment. Bardstown for... Road. That's right. And very uh, lots of righteous fucking old-timey yes. stuff there for many years, yeah. Yes, old-timey and affordable, good used instruments, which is what serviced the whole Louisville punk scene for decades. Um, so we went down there, and Jimmy Brown sold us Silvertone guitars with the amp in the case. Uh, we had just checked that John's older sister had gone to college. We raided her record collection and pulled out uh, Cream, Spirit, and the Velvet Underground with Nico. Uh, Cream and Spirit were just too confusing and complicated for us, but uh, the Velvets, that, that kind of made sense to us. So we started covering songs from that first Velvets album. That's what got us started. I think uh, I got a line on you's got just two parts, though. <laughs> right? Oh. And then the chorus, right? I think that's it. But yeah. they, it was trippy about that band. I got to do two benefit gigs with Randy California, but uh, he was a teenager then. And his stepdaddy, Cass Ed Cassidy, I think his name was. 
and he was like 40, 50 years older than him. Oh. Yeah, yeah. that was trippy. And he had come out of the jazz scene to join the rock scene. And uh, they oh. were a trippy band. They're still in uh, litigation with Jimmy Page for stealing that Stairway to Heaven song, right? Oh, it's yeah. Not it's not yeah. settled. It's not settled. Well, yeah, Jimmy Page got stuff from a lot of places. He ended up having to pay Willie Dixon. I know that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so is this a band or is it just you guys jamming together to records? Well, this is what you would refer to as a basement band. Yeah. Uh, we gave ourselves a name. We were the afters because we came after everything, you know, as if you're just discovering punk rock, you kind of feel like it's the beginning of the world and the end of the world. At the well, same time. I tell but, you, in those days, things changed a lot faster. So like one year later, yeah. it's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. And then about, I don't know, late 80s, it starts plateauing out, right? But man, those first years of the movement, it yep. changed so fast. So I could see you saying that. Yeah, even being a year or two, you're Johnny Kamali or some shit. Yeah, yes, we were. Okay, now does you remember the first after's gig? Uh, the after's never gigged. Okay, uh, so it wasn't that kind of band. No, no, it was just basement. Basement yeah. and, and a garage. My yeah, but sometimes and, garage and basement bands actually do gigs. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We never, we, we never made it that far. Um, like me we, and D Boom, we never did until Reactionaries, yeah. Okay, yep. Um, so yeah, that band never gigged, but that for me, that band was crucially important because during uh, our rehearsal of I'm Waiting for My Man, uh, Andrew and John told me that I should switch to bass so my mistakes would be less noticeable. Um, so that's how I, I would. I, I feel in my heart that I would have ended up on bass, anyways. But that was the yeah. The but how, how good were those guys? <laughs> what about their mistakes? <laughs> they were, they were, but I, I, could, I didn't know enough to call out their mistakes. So you know, yeah, because that's and, it, and man, if you're gonna like help the band along, you really gonna. But anyway, I'm glad you moved to bass because oh yeah, all bands need a bass anyway. That poor lonely kick drum, huh? That's right. Okay. That's right. And uh, okay, do you remember the? Now, were you guys writing songs or just trying to copy Velvet Underground? We were just trying to copy the Velvet Underground, and we stumbled. You know, we had a riff or two we would play, um, but this is all leading to Leave, the song you open with. That was the first song that John and I completed, and that was when we had a real band, which was what came after the afters. Yeah, because this is an afters. It's listed as Your Food. Uh, yeah, so that was on the Your Food album. There's kind of a pre-Your Food band called Orangey Orangey, which you know, it was going to be Orange Orange, but we decided to be weird and leave the A out of it. But anyways, um, that was three of us who became Your Food, plus a drummer named Terry Barr, who's uh, she was a good drummer and she's a great singer, and um, she was in some great bands around Louisville. Um, but anyways, Orangey Orangey was uh, then that mutated into Your Food. Um, Let's play some of your food. Corners. Okay, great.
私こそが最高のメンテであるような眠りを眠れ眠りが最高のメンテであるような死を締め石膏はその力を失い混ぜても混ぜても反応を起こさない学校で教わったような夏は出ないあれはただの体温だったのだいつまでも真実で現実でドロドロのままだ AQ は .73 特急は .64 正確に測ってもトロトロ歌い出してしまう上げた未来の天気がいつもひょうの混ざったセントアイブスの恐怖鉛筆を削るようにアメリカ人を削り使えるようになったシャミの糸巻き穴を埋めなつべく掘り進みついには裏側に至るかああ服の外はレイドレイドのビジョンの無理さ中バスは南の千代でいないサイ君は出版しモノクロのカモメはマナティの夫を見るナースコールのように波は来るいつかのいつかのご果てで差別を溶かした不自由の中にセロセロと入れてみせた希望出勤まであと6時間6時間で復活せよ
Watch for Pedro Show, that chunk of music. Start off with your food doing corners. And brand new from Wolf Eyes, Engage Withdrawal. Uh, here's some stuff. Uh, Jella sent me. Uh, I'll turn to tentacles, right? A li- Alvi, not live. Alvi and the Breakfast Pigs with Tokyo. Uh, from Mexico, DMFK, Dane Peligro. No, it really Dame, huh? Give me uh, danger. Ah, I like the Stooges song, right? Dummy Peligro. And uh, there's some more, too. Uh, but right there, some. Because I also put in, I got music from John Wright from No Means No. He started a new project called Dead Bob. And this tune, Just Breathe. Van Goat. These are buddies of Jealous. Bad Boy Drunk. Uh, from Fukuoka. This is a Portland cat who moved over there. Adam. Crying in my keen moody. Keen. It's gold, I think. Doug Wimbish, great bass man. Sugar Hill Gang, right? Mark Stewart Mafia. Actually said no to the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Damn. Days. From his solo album. DTR, Mike Watt. This is me with some uh, Ohio guys. And uh, the singer man's from Japan. Tori. Tori also means bird. Uh, Reviving six hours. And then finally, your food, something live. Burger. Hippocy's ship, Brother Wolf. I didn't catch that. Was that a question? No, it was a oh. appeal. Hippos to this shit. Enlighten us. Because, uh, yeah, I don't really know about your food. I, I know you through Antietam. Oh, right. Yeah, so your food, we were in Louisville. Uh, so we got Charles Schulten on drums. That finalized the lineup. Peanuts! Well, he spells his last name differently, and, you know, he really got tired of people saying that every time, but yes, he was Charles Schultz, not that same guy. There um, was a music man, though, right? Linus. There was a piano man. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I could t- yeah, Peanuts is a very musical. Yeah, but you can thing. tell it's 50s because, like, nobody's, the only music guy is some guy taking piano lessons. There's no bands, no garage band, yes. no basement band. Yeah. 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 Pretty dated, huh? Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. Um, but anyway, so your food, we were for a couple of years in Louisville. We rehearsed all the time because there's nothing else to do. Um, what about you know, tour? Was it? What about tour? We did uh, We did a little bit of touring. We made it up to Maxwell's. We made it up to The Rat in Boston. Um, in uh, D.C., we played D.C. Not the 930, but kind of a loft thing. And then... Is uh, Chicago you know, a lot closer? Because, you know... That? Isn't Chicago a lot closer than the Eastern Seaboard? Because a lot of cats from Louisville end up in Chicago later, right? Yeah, that's true, but we never worked that out. Um, I think you're, because you're, I think those cats, because you mentioned David Grubbs, you know, the squirrel bait, Bob Mould stuff, but then it becomes slint, right? I think it's the slint people that end up going to Chicago. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a quite a there's a like a connection there. I mean, the free. I know it happened. People, in Pe- no, it uh, happened. It happened in Pedro too. You know, uh, waves come at different times, but they think since it's the same town, you're all together. But when when the Minuteman yeah. was going, there was no other Pedro punk rockers hardly ever. And then the, yeah. it would come in different waves. Yeah, so I I, I kind of understand. Yeah. Oh, so our first gig with your your food gig was at Kentucky Country Day School. Uh, which is a private school in suburban Louisville. And opening for us was David Grubb's 
first band and I'm pretty sure it was his first gig. And I mean, he's, he's younger than me. So I think he must, if I was 16, he was 12 or something. So yeah, squirrel bait. I know he was young. I know he was yeah. young. Cause I remember yeah, Bob, cause we met the Hooskers, you know, and put out their first record land speed record. Yeah. So I knew a little bit about the thing, uh, their scene a little bit. And I remember Bob telling me about producing this, uh, record by these kids in Louisville. Yeah, yeah. This band that he was in was before Squirrel Bait. Um, but I think the one Bob did was Squirrel Bait. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was a good record. Um, I like that. It was it was exciting to see stuff coming out of and then, uh, then he Louisville. ends up, I, get this, he ends up playing with these guys I play with in Italy years later. He's, I think he teaches in uh, Brooklyn now, David yes, Grubbs. But, yeah. yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, trippy. Cool. Trippy about that stuff. And Jim Marark, right? He does Gaster in Chicago and stuff. Jim yeah. now is a f citizen of Japan. Okay, so how'd that first go, gig go, your food go good? Gig go. Uh, people were, the audience was confused. Uh, we felt like we did a good job, though. Uh, you know, we played our originals, our post-punk sort of style originals. And, you know, we were pretty loud and tight enough. A few people danced, but I think people were kind of confused. Okay, that's kind of a success, I think. Uh, yeah. And then how long does your food go? Uh, we uh, go through um, the first of the year of 1984, basically. Um, so we recorded and released the, the album Poke It With A Stick in 1983, um, self-released on Screaming Hordog Records, um, which was the... Uh, uh, nickname self-given to uh, our uh, patron, kind of, and she's on the cover of the record. Um, so yeah, and then, but then '83, we had a we we went we toured to DC. On the way back, the van first broke down in uh, Western in Virginia. We got it fixed, and then we made it to like West Virginia, and it broke again. And we stayed overnight in the van eating you know, cans of beans from the supermarket. And John's dad came out with the, their Ford Granada and towed the van back to Louisville. Um, and a few other things happened. And we just kind of, we all just kind of went off to do different things after that. It just didn't feel, it just felt like we were done. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's a tow job, West Virginia. Where, yeah, like Morgantown yeah. or? I, I you know I can't remember. Okay, uh, but it was somewhere. Before. That's a that's yeah. quite of a haul. It would have been on sixty four. Right, I sixty four. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, anytime you got to tow the boat. Oh wow. Yeah. But, well, we bought that van for two hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and we used to line up ten gallons of oil along the back or in in the back of it, and put in a gallon of oil with every tank. A gallon or a quart. No, a gallon. That's four quarts. I know, it's crazy. Yeah, but most That's... motors hold five quarts. Okay, so, well, you know, six if you count the filter. Okay. So that's like yeah, changing okay. the fucking oil with every tank. But yeah. you know what? You're burning that oil. That means it's going through the rings, coming out the tailpipe. Look, I was yeah. on an England tour with this guy. It was burning a quart a day. But, man, that yeah. a gallon a tank, that's pretty bad. <laughs> It's pretty bad. The, the mechanic who looked at the van said, you guys shouldn't even be alive, basically. Well, that, I was going to say, it's better than rolling it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they always say, don't uh, 
cheap out on the brakes yeah. or the tires because if the motor stops, at least, you, yeah, you know, you're safe. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, so that was the end of your food. Uh, we all kind of went off to do different things. Um, I went to Vermont. Um, and honestly, like I continued to play with my roommate, um, but didn't, I really kind of thought I was done with bands and things like that. Um, my roommate, roommate and I did get kicked out of the same hippie bar in Burlington twice uh, for playing Muddy Waters, apparently the wrong way, but also uh, much too loud. <laughs> this is the, yeah. I think later on, this is the town fish comes from. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. And that bar, I can't, it's, it, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's still there. Probably yeah. still there, the Monday Night Blues Jam. Okay. Uh, well, they got to figure out the blues because they got it wrong. There's, <laughs> there's major chord. Listen to Lead Belly. I mean, it's happy. Miles Davis yeah. said he never got sad listening to blues. Look, it's the end of first hour, July 10, 2023 edition. Wap Peter's for special guest, Wolf Nap. Hold tight for hour two. July 10, 2023, second hour of what from Pedro's show.
plastic army crawled into a great pit holding hands. Yeah, you said it. That's right.
Lot for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour. Antietam doing gospel according to John B. Sloop John B, right? That's a reference to John Bailey from Your Food, actually. Oh, okay. This, I think uh, Tan's... No, no. Somebody wrote it for Brian Wilson. Or wrote it with him. Yeah. Now, what's his name? Van, Van pa- uh, Parks. Van Dyke oh, yeah. Parks. Van Dyke, yeah. yeah. I met him at a benefit. Funny man. Yeah. But I think they wrote the words together. Or maybe Van Dyke Park brought it. Um, but nothing to do with your food guy. I'm sorry. But that's trippy about music, things like that. Uh, Luke Stewart and Jarvis Earshot Quartet. Luke Stewart, great bass man. That's for you, Brother Wolf. All right. Canopsia. Uh, Ken- uh, Chicago, too. Uh, that scene. Yeah. Tim. I got turned on to him by another bass man who was on the show. Uh, Laura Steenberg and Victoria Chang after that with a love song for a woman named Mia. That's live. Laszlo and the Hidden Strength with When They Made Me a Child and finally Antietam, M.V. Augusta. Okay, story of Antietam. All right. Bring it. Uh, Yeah, so uh, I'm in Vermont kind of trying to figure out what to do with my young adult life. And uh, my mentors, Tara Key and Tim Harris from Louisville, they had been in an incredible band called the Babylon Dance Band, which was the first great punk band that I saw. Um, that, that really turned my life around. Me and John Bailey went to see them and just knew what we needed to do with their lives. Um, so in the, they had left Louisville and were living in Hoboken and called me up in Vermont and asked if I wanted to move to Hoboken and start a new band with them. So I said, I have to think about it. Handed the phone to my roommate for about a minute and a half and then took the phone back and said, okay, I'm in. Um, and uh, moved down to the, my roommate and I moved down to Hoboken and started rehearsals with uh, Tim and Tara in uh, Antietam on uh, Derby Day 1984. I played a few Derby Days. Stooligans on Bardstown. <laughs> oh, my God. That was your food's home base. It was about three doors down from the punk house in which yeah. I lived. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. And, like, you don't go on stage till three or four in the morning. They're playing the spoons game with me, beating, putting knots in the back of my head. I didn't realize how that game worked. But, yeah. okay. So, can you remember the – because this is how I know you, is Antietam. So, how far along were you guys when uh, Minuteman? Um, it's '84, right? So you're, yeah, you're like it, so. Double Nichols is coming out, right? Right. Oh, is it that summer? That tour '84. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So in Louisville, obviously, I had started with Paranoid Time and worked forward, and you know, worked forward from there. Um, well, that's the first record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I couldn't go beyond before that. Uh, my son just got me a T-shirt with the uh, "What Makes a Man Start Fires" uh, logo graphic on the front so that's pretty yeah. cool yeah well that's but like the fourth record or something but that's the first yeah. full you know what's strange about that record it's the only one where i wrote all the music really i wouldn't shoot yeah. you brother wolf yeah because i was having a knee surgery so i'm the guy who was at home okay, okay. remember yeah, in those so days you... we're making records every six months they're like kind of like flyers to keep to get gigs with it's yeah. completely opposite from the racket uh, the, the big leagues Okay, when was the first Antietam gig? I think our first gig was at CBGB 
opening for the human switchboard. Ohio. Um, and yeah, that was so opening meaning playing after them. So yeah, that's you know, the way CB like worked. <laughs> one or two in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the human switchboard had Bernie Worrell guesting that night. Whoa. I got oh. to record with him. What's that? I got to record with him one time. I, I, I also did a live gig where, uh, we were doing Maggot Brain, you know, and he stops the band. He says, what? Solo. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah, it was in K-Town. Lake Theater all packed. And I shit a pecan log. I did my best. He's a nice man. He was beautiful. I was going to get to do a whole album with him when the cancer got um, him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and uh, now there's two bases. Yes. So. Talk about we, this. Go ahead. No, no. Let's play. Let's first place another. Uh, play another Atenum song. Then we're going to talk about this two bass thing. Okay. No friction here. No black and white. No fine smoke. We just keep on
Lot for Pedro show. Chunk started off with Antium doing the haunting of Rocky Face Ridge. Then Simone Sims Longo with Giona. A Produce, the Far Shore. And then Stretcher with the debris. But we'll get to Stretcher next hour. I want to get into Antium because especially for those days, a band, a rock band with two bass guitars. Now, you know, Duke Ellington did two basses and John Coltrane, right? Live in Seattle's yep. two bass, yeah. Yep. yep. Tell me what was, because it sounds like you joined Antietam, or are you a founding member? How Because you said those two friends from Louisville approached you in Vermont. Yeah, but, but I'm a founding member. Uh, okay, the, okay. You know, they so who, me, whose idea is two, two basses? Well, it wasn't an idea. It was just that Tim and I are both bass players in our heart and, you know, didn't want to play one of those little rinky-dinky, six-string, you know, plinky-plinky instruments. Well, that we sounds like an idea. Bass. We both, no, <laughs> neither of us would give up. Okay. Oh, I wouldn't budge off. Yeah. No. You know, uh, I read the fucking uh, Dick uh, Lloyd book, and he's like, with Richard Hell writing television, like, who's, yeah. who's, I don't want, you know, I'm Richard. And, and uh, Richard Lloyd is like, no, I'm Richard too. <laughs> like, <laughs> they wouldn't back down, right? <laughs> like, okay. My pop was never called Richard. And in fact, that was his middle name, and I never heard him called James or anything. Maybe the Navy called him that. Yeah, that's it's a trip about that stuff. So you didn't. So that was it. You're obstinate. We we're both going to be bass players. So it wasn't like let's make a band with two bass players. It's yeah. like we're not. Yeah, okay. We're but what, what came? I mean, right away, that's a way to try to get your own sound, right? Because there's not a lot of that going on. Like I said, those no. bebop guys and stuff, or jazz yeah. thing. So so. What's the idea? Like you don't have a role model to look to, right? No, it was pretty. It was pretty hard. Um, we couldn't just play what we, you know, the first thing, the first baseline that came to mind. We really had to work on those things. And you know, I submitted this gospel according to John B to you because that's 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 a. You can hear to me. You can hear pretty well us working our parts together. And it to me, it sounds like you know, like a kind of an orchestra say, string section or something underneath the raging guitars. Um, so you end up with, we're not playing unison lines. We pretty much never did that. Um, so two different parts that weaved in and out uh, and became super, sometimes it would sound like a bass chord. Um, <laughs> I have some experience with this. But yes, it's not supporting a rock band. It's like only two basses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was what we did was work the holes. Yep. Yeah. Because you're in this narrow frequency. And, uh, I mean, it, it's a bet with the rhythm section for a, you know, rock band or jazz band, any kind of a rhythm band. But yeah, alone, man, you either got to work the holes or you're going to be, there's going to be, you know, train wrecks. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's it. So that, that, that's okay. So, who, how was the songwriting done in Antietam? Uh, it was, you know, all the different ways that bands write songs. Uh, well, you said you brought, you, you said you brought this song, The Haunting of Rocky Face Ridge, right? Oh, no, yeah. No, Gospel According to John B. You brought that one. Well, no, I submitted it to you for, for the show today. That was probably started from that uh, Tara's Guitar Jam, and we Tim and I just worked our parts out. Um. Okay. Okay. So, so, so the bass never been, came first. The bass never came first because I'm I'm wondering how you and the other bassists like 
arrived at your parts. Well, some of the songs, so Tara would bring in songs on her own. I would bring songs in on all on my own. So MV Augusta is, you know, I brought all those bass parts in and uh, I didn't, you know, I'm not telling Tara what to play or anything, but I, I, I mean, that's how the song started was with all those bass lines, but it's a pretty wacky form there. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and the rest of the band comes up with their part. Sometimes we would just jam something out, which is I think how the gospel according to John B came, but also Tara and I would bring in fully formed songs or, you know, that last song, uh, Rocky Fades Ridge. I think yeah. I brought in a couple of parts and one of the parts is Tara's. Um, so it's a collab. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, I, I, I just it's trippy the the way I I think that cop shoot cop band had two bases. Oh yeah, I'm okay. trying to think back. You know, bands there there are some yeah. like rock bands with the drums and guitars that use two bases too, but yeah. not a lot, not a lot. Uh, probably a lot of band. I remember seeing the first time I saw Sammy Hagar. He was with Ronnie Montrose, and they had actually like doors with the left hand and the keyboard, organ. You know. <laughs> what? Yeah. More room in the boat, maybe. I don't know. We're okay. at the end of the second hour. July 10, 2023. And just while Peter so special guest, Wolf Nap. Oh, time for hour three. July 10, 2023. It's the third hour of the Waffle Pedro show.
wash away these blues. Tell me the news. And where you will stay. And what got in the way? 
Watch for Pedro Show. We start off the third hour. Stretcher, live, doing game. Then Akimbo. Here's some uh, more friends of Jealous. Uh, alternative channel stuff. Weasel Rope from Akimbo. Actually, this is before, but they were around. Freak Accident, also from the city. Outer Space is Boring. <laughs> Paul Watson, brand new. Wash Away These Blues. Tim Hohouse, Frank. And then Baba Rum. I think this is your six-string bass band. With Carl Nose. But what happens with Antietam? Uh, Antietam, so we did the, the second album and played two tracks from. Uh, and then, basically, I've been listening to too much Charlie Parker. Uh, and felt like my own path to wherever I was going to go, um, you know, I needed I, I needed different surroundings, so I resigned um, from Antietam. But Antietam is still going strong. They, yeah, I was going to really say this year, and maybe if you're a two bass band, when you lose one of them, yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, they can keep going. <laughs> you don't have to go find a bass player. That's it. That's uh, it. So yeah, there's they've been a power trio since I left, and they do a record every few years, and they they still kick ass. They just they kick ass. And, we're, um, we're talking like thirty years, right? We're, we're talking more than thirty years. Yeah, nineteen eighty four. We thirty nine years. Thirty nine, almost right? forty years. Yeah, fuck. But, year, I mean, uh, but without year, you, without you, it's been like over thirty. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And so, what do you uh, do? You go to back to you go to music school, right? Uh, yeah, in between, uh, there was a couple years there where uh, I took, you know, I did some road tours. That's where I met. Um, oh, Michael and Christmas. We're opening for the Hooskers with Christmas. Yeah, so for like five weeks opening for the Hooskers, um, which was incredible. Uh, I did a short tour as a bass player in Yola Tango when their bass player had a visa issue, which was great. Uh, and then Opal, about five weeks with Opal, too, are mostly opening for Jesus and Mary Chain. Um, so was all those, singing, those were great adventures. Uh, was Opal was Hope singing or was it uh, Kendra? It was so Kendra quit in New York. Okay, and the SST guys knew me and got in touch with me. Uh, so yeah, when I joined, it was me on bass and Hope on vocals, and it was her first gig outside of you know Santa Monica or something. Well, uh, she's East LA. It was, she had her own band originally before uh, uh, David. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah, our first band outside LA. It was a, we rehearsed in our space, in my space in uh, Hoboken, and the first gig was in Cleveland. And when we were driving there, it snowed, and I'm pretty sure Hope said it was the first time she'd seen snow. Oh, I believe that. I totally believe yeah. that. She's so cow and uh, great yeah. singer. Uh, great, that was great that was lady. good. She's just a great singer with incredible stage presence. Um, that was, was really fun to play D with. David and had she, another was, band. Keith on drums was it was just great to stand there next to him. He's so solid. Oh yeah, Keith. Yeah. David had a band before that called Rain Parade. Oh yeah, they were great. And uh, he left them to do Opal. I think. I yeah. was. I think of that Sid Barrett song. <laughs> you know Opal. Yeah, yeah that's okay. probably the reference. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 And uh, what about the? We got to hit people to the stretcher thing. When's that come? So that's after jazz school. So oh, okay. So so, being a side mouse there, and then you go to jazz school, and then you do stretcher. Okay, Correct. what about the jazz school? Because that's interesting. Reggie fucking Workman, he's still around. He's the last guy from that scene. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Roy Haynes, he's 98, 99. Marshall yeah. Allen. 
Yeah. Uh, I saw Rohingya with Alice Coltrane um, and Reggie. That was, I think, maybe the greatest gig I ever saw. Um, but anyways, so I did this touring thing and just listening to a lot of Charlie Parker with, you know, on the Opal tour, I had the real book with me. And after the gig, I'd be practicing Oprah Bob and stuff like that. Um, I wangled my way into an audition for the new school, which is a great jazz program. Uh, and the first time I attempted to play jazz with real jazz musicians was my audition. And I stood there in the theater. I got up on the stage after another bass player and I looked out at front row is Reggie Workman. Yeah, uh, my heart just sank to the bottom of my toes. It's just like, this is nuts. Um, so I played a few courses of the blues, and then he sort of waved me off, and then I went to another little room where there was Chico Hamilton. Whoa, great drummer, man. Yeah, I mean, he was playing piano and just sort of managing a little jam session, just figuring out who could read a chord chart or, you know, knew their modes and could keep a, you know, if, if I could walk a simple barking bass line. And, uh, yeah, I got in. I know people who didn't get in. Uh, so that was that was amazing. I spent the next three and a half years there, uh, and I got my first real bass instructor there who's just unbelievable, um, this guy named Ray L. Wesley Grant. Um, and he connected, he connected me with the guy who made my six-string fretlist, who also made guitars for Kevin Eubanks um, and Pat Martino. Um, anyways, that's that's in the weeds, well, I guess. Talking about the six-string bass, let's play some Bubba Rum. All right.
Live from Pedro Show. Last music for this edition, Baba Rum with Baba Rum. Eponymous. Eponymous, huh? Eponymous. Okay. Rock Kalam Bob Moses, great drummer man. Oh, yeah. With uh, Damon Smith. They got a duo, and this is True Martyr. Walking after that. Uh, Prods from Derek Money Putty. Uh, he lives out in the desert here. Laser hits target. All one word, of course. And then finally, Baba Rum with St. Guy. So we got to back up a little bit. Well, actually, it's after the school. So you got the six string. Do you play six string bass and stretcher? No, uh, yeah, I do. Fretted, though. Um, yeah. So jazz school and Baba Rum, I was playing the fretless. Uh, and then uh, it, you can tell by the sound of stretcher. Like, I just needed the frets to cut through uh, the mix. Um, so that's what I did there. Yeah, and what was the New York City guys? Uh, yeah, so yeah, I put an ad in the Village Voice, classic way to start a band, right? Um, yeah, and that's where I found Dana Deshabi to co-lead the band. Funny thing is that he had been a student at the New School the same time as me. Uh, we'd never been in the same ensembles or class, but had seen each other around. Anyways, it was a good connection because we, we could work really fast. Well, let they, me we, ask you this about New School. Did you meet, make good connects there? Oh, well, here's the thing. I kind of walked away from the jazz world about a year after I graduated because I was really inspired by what was going on in the rock scene. There's a lot of California bands. There's, you know, Rage, sure. Tool, sure. Um, and then Soundgarden. And I just felt like that old thing down in my heart. When I got into jazz school, I thought I'd be a jazz guy, a jazz lifer. Um, but somehow I wanted to be surrounded by loud electric guitars again. Well, Soundgarden's uh, a little uh, Washington State, but they, they did have some SST records. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And, uh, uh, yeah, so then Dana and I, Dana had a, uh, he actually had a friend uh, from where he's from in Virginia, I think, who finally, we finally found a drummer. I think we auditioned 50 vocalists. Um, wow. Got our singer. Now, does Baba Rum end and then you do Stretcher yeah. or, or are they concurrent? Oh, okay. They are yeah. sequential. Okay. Yeah. So I was doing Baba Rum and then I was doing one off. Sometimes I was in like, seven bands all doing original material and i just felt stretched really thin that's not no pun intended there and i decided that i really wanted to focus and i liked just being in a single rock band where everybody's committed to it so that's what got me to try and start stretcher but then you know looking at your pdf i guess you lay off music for a number of years yeah it's true uh so stretcher we were like five years of really intensive gigging in the city a little bit of east coast stuff and just weren't getting anywhere. I mean, we were either ahead of our time or behind our time. Uh, we could not get a fan base. And I basically, I just burn out. Uh, and honestly, I played in that band for about a year longer than I should have, to the point where it wasn't even fun to pick up the bass anymore. Yeah, but you st I thought you started the band with an ad. Yeah, I did. Okay, so <laughs> if the guy who starts the band ain't into it. <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so so then what happens? You, you, it says in the PDF you go to the Porsche. Yes, that's exactly what I did. I I put that Washburn in his case, and I did not open the case for ten years. I did not touch a bass guitar. Whoa! Um, Whoa! Yep. The guy who fucking gets the audition with Chico Hamilton and has Reggie Workman in the front row. Yeah. Just won't get it out of the case. Okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, I don't know. I just lost. I, I didn't have it anymore. I didn't have it. Uh, after a while, I got bored of not playing anything, so I got an acoustic guitar and started playing some blues on the porch. Um, so that was pretty good for a while. 
uh, well, 10 years. Uh, a couple of years ago, though, my life, I, I got some more time on my hands and I got a bass in case, around the house in case someone wanted to come over to jam and play bass. And then I started, I picked up the bass. They're like, well, what was this like again? And uh, pretty immediately realized I'm still a bass player. So um, I'm back at it now. I, I got nothing new to play for you or anything, but I'm playing bass every day. And what about as far as playing with other people? You got a prod? You got a band? Well, I'm writing and arranging, and I got a drummer in the neighborhood who says he's in. We haven't played yet, but, uh, you know, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on myself or anybody else, but yeah, that's, yeah. You know, that's the idea, though. The idea is to get something together. Yeah, because, you know, things come in cycles, and maybe it was just time to, you know, take a break, and now you come back. All that stuff in your life, you invested with it. It might now, with your experiences, come back pretty trippy and interesting. I can't wait to see what you come up with. Well, I appreciate that, Watt. I, yeah. I really appreciate that. So, and what you said is true. Even the 10-year detour of playing guitar, yeah, I learned a lot of stuff that now that I'm only playing bass, that guitar stuff is really helpful. So, anyways, things happen for a reason. Uh, yeah, and we'll see. Can I put out an invite when you get music recorded with the new project? Absolutely. You You'll be the first to hear. Yeah, well, I, I want to invite you back on the show so we can play it and talk about it. I'm in. That sounds you amazing. Sounds okay. great. That's beautiful. No pressure. Like Mr. Wells learned us, no wine before it's time. There you go. But, <laughs> you remember those? I think that was the last work he did was those commercials. Yeah, yeah. He was just trying to raise money for his films. Yeah, yeah. I think so. That two buck Chuck shit was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but you know he, he yeah right his big he really wanted to bring shakespeare to uh, good movie versions he wanted to get his king lear or something yeah and uh, he couldn't afford uh costumes so they did use towels oh man i heard about all kinds of stuff gorilla film making that f is for fake right he was doing that on the yeah yeah incredible cat i got to meet him once outside yeah. pinks in hollywood he had a chili dog in each hand and that man was big <laughs> I mean, he was tall. He was wide like a barn door. Yeah. Anyway, I go, Mr. Wells, you said, young man, I'd shake your hand, but I am busy. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> I said, no, no problem, Mr. Wells. Anyway, it was beautiful getting to talk to you again after all these years, truly. Uh, I've had a great time, Mike. Thanks so much. Yeah, and I can't wait to have you back on. Okay. Sounds great. All okay. right. Okay, people, July 10, 2023 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.